Nice to see everyone. Uh, I'm Kobe Pulse. I'm the associate pastor here at Cameron United Methodist Church, and uh, it's been a wonderful weekend so far. What a great, what awesome weather we've got this year for the 4th. With all of our festivities we always have here in Cameron, it's just nice to have good weather after all the, the rain and all the craziness that we've had here recently. It was how nice it was just to have a beautiful weather these last few days. Um, so just a couple of uh, announcements real quick. Uh, there, there is no youth group tonight since we have, uh, since it is the 4th on holidays, we usually don't have youth group that evening. And um, as we uh, get close to this fall, um, you know, we're wanting to, to try to, you know, kind of start to rebuild this theme of let's get back to church, get back to who we are as the people of God being the church. And so, so we're making some plans for this fall and, uh, and going to urge people to, to, you know, now that, I don't know that COVID's over, but as we're kind of getting back to our normal routines and back into life, as school starts back up and kind of a more normal sort of way, we want to start encouraging folks to get involved in the life of the church, um, start thinking about where is it that, you know, now that you've been away from the church for a while and our ministries and things were kind of put on hold, now is maybe a good time to start thinking, as I get back into the church, where is it that I see myself serving in the church? And what areas and what ministries, what do I want to be a part of? What is it that I'm looking for in my spiritual growth? And as we start to think about those things, as Dan and, and staff um, communicate that with us, where you would like to serve or what you need in your life for your spiritual growth as we move forward and kind of get back into being the church and worship and growth and, and in service. So be thinking about those things here as we move forward uh, closer into the fall. Um, so let's all, uh, we're going to open with a song, All Creatures of Our God and King. Let's all, uh, let's all stand up and let's lift our voices to God this morning in this hymn. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing, oh praise Him, hallelujah, thou burning sun with
thought I'd show up this morning. I'm going to move this way a little bit. I, I'm not sure what's wrong with the front two rows here. <laughs> Why you all are sitting back that way. But uh, awesome to be here this morning. Uh, welcome those who are um, here online. Um, I just want to mention uh, a couple of things. Um, and then we're going to go into prayer. Uh, but I wanted to mention Gene, Gene Simmons was in the hospital this week. He's now at Redwood, and he's recovering there. Uh, seems to be doing okay. Um, Monday is his birthday. And so if you all think about it, um, uh, drop, a note, um, drop a note to him or take it by Redwood, uh, a birthday card or something like that. I think he would just appreciate uh, knowing that the church is thinking about him. Uh, because currently you can't do visitation there. So if you'll, if you'll remember that, that would be good. Um, and then, um, yes. Awesome. So, so if you didn't hear that, we did, um, um, Betty and Pat did take a prayer shawl out to him so that he knows the folks here are thinking about him. Um, so thank you all for doing that. Um, and then also I just want to let you know that um, th there is a community worship service also today. I think it's in McCorkle Park, right, Pat? Um, at 11 o'clock, I think, if you all um, if y'all want to participate in a community worship service after this, uh, there's one over there, and so um, you all might do that. Um, I think that's it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious and loving God, as we, uh, as we come before you this day, we, uh, we are reminded of your goodness and your graciousness, and uh, we also come to you this day just to uh, lift up to you those places this week where um, we have uh, not done such a great job of following you. And so as we gather, we just come and we ask for your forgiveness that you would forgive us for the times we have failed to respond to your call with faith this week, when we have failed to hear your voice and act in trusting obedience as you have nudged us to, um, to step forward and to engage folks. Forgive us uh, for those times when, uh, for, for the fact that so often we only pray when it's convenient for us, and even when we do pray, we uh, talk more than we listen. Forgive us, Lord, for the times when it's so easy for us to see the unrighteousness of other people and yet not see our own issues and failures. Forgive us, Lord, when we have sought the company of those whom we, um, who please us and whom we want to be around rather than those who uh, need us or need a hand up. Forgive us when we have been shackled by our narrow understandings of discipleship by our clouded sense of purpose and mission. Forgive us when we have been frightened of the future and when we pull back from the demands of your calling. Forgive us when we fail to sense your presence in each and every moment of life, when we fail to acknowledge your grace in the present moment and to trust you in each and every moment. Through your Holy Spirit, we offer ourselves to you. And we offer up the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you. So I don't know about y'all, but when, like, when, when I was younger, you know, two or three years ago, um, I wanted to be Batman. Well, maybe it was a little bit more than two or three years ago. Uh, I, I mean, when I was growing up, you know, we all had our heroes, right? Um, the, fo- the, the, the person that we wanted, and, and Batman was mine. And, and I, had a, I had a Batman outfit, man. And I had the boomerang. Um, I'm still waiting for the Batmobile. Um, but we're going to get that, right? <laughs> uh, I, I saw, I, you know, I, I checked out the car show at the 4th of July, and there were some of them that were pretty close to the Batmobile, but Deb wouldn't let me buy any of them. Um, and, and then when I realized that, well, Batman wasn't a real person, um, then, then I turned, I, I, I love to play baseball, so, so then my heroes were baseball players, and I just knew I was going to be a major league baseball player. I keep waiting for the agents to show up and sign me, um, because I know I'm good enough to play. Well, maybe not play anymore. I could at least manage. They could come and get me and sign me up, right? Uh, well, that didn't pan out either, right? So I'm not a major league baseball player. Um, and, and in fact, I, I learned in, in high school that... Um, Really, I wasn't even good enough to play high school ball, um, and, and so I ran track and cross country, and, and I was pretty good at track and cross country, and so I was going to go to the Olympics. Yeah, I think I told you all before, Jim Ryan was a hero of mine, right? Jim, Jim Ryan, um, and, and so um, we, we all have these heroes in life, and in fact, on days, on holidays like the 4th of July, I worry sometimes Uh, that we so uh, lift up the heroes that are written about uh, that we think that if we're not heroes, we're unimportant. Uh, Because I assure you that there will be no annals of history written about me. Um, Nobody's going to write a book about me in 15, 20 years. Nobody's going to be celebrating um, my life, except for hopefully my wife and my kids, hopefully, um, but but you, you get the picture? Um, it, sometimes I think we get so focused on the heroes that we, um, we, we forget about the importance of ordinary life. And, and today as we look at Scripture, um, I think Isaac is one of these folks in Scripture that we just rush past. In fact, when I was looking at preaching on Genesis, um, if you look at how Genesis is broken down, You've got stories of Abraham, and, um, and you've got a little bit about Isaac, and then you've got story of Jacob, and you've got story of Joseph, right? If you look at Scripture, there's about 10 chapters written on Abraham, about 10 chapters written on Jacob, um, almost 20 written on, uh, well, 13 written on uh, Joseph, And there's like five chapters where Isaac is mentioned and only one chapter where we really hear about Isaac himself. And yet, over and over in the Old Testament, it says that the God that we worship, the God that Israel worshipped, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And yet the stories of Jacob get lost in Scripture. In fact, where we first are introduced to Jacob, or Isaac, I'm sorry, when we're first introduced to Isaac, we're told of his, his, his birth, and then we're told, well, when he was weaned, there was this great celebration that the family had. And in the midst of that celebration, his half-brother Ishmael did something that really aggravated Sarah. And so as a result, Ishmael and Hagar are driven away. And so this celebration that's supposed to be having for Isaac's great milestone ends up being something that divides the family. And then the next story that we hear about Isaac has to do with this great test of Abraham. And, you know, I find it um, interesting that as we read that story, we always talk about Abraham and his, it's almost like we forget Isaac was even there because the story makes it clear it's not really about Isaac. Isaac is almost like a mannequin in the story. We don't know how he felt. We're not told what he thought when Abraham's putting him on the altar. Um, He's just kind of there like he's a prop in the story. And then um, the next time we hear about Isaac is when Abraham's getting old and he doesn't want, he doesn't want Isaac to marry um, any of the Canaanite uh, women. He wants Isaac to marry from uh, the family. And so he calls his servant, sends his servant to go find a wife for Isaac. There's no consulting of Isaac. He goes, he sends his servant, his servant comes back with a wife for Isaac, and, and the servant kind of goes up to Isaac and says, uh, here's what's going on. And so Isaac takes Rebekah to be his wife, and, and he uh, uh, loves her, but he's never even consulted in the story. And it seems like um, there's always these actions being done while Isaac is kind of a, a passive receiver. And then even after he's married to Rebecca, we're, we're told that uh, Rebecca is barren, just like Sarah was. Um, and Isaac prays to God, and her womb is open, and she has two children. And the story quickly shifts to Rebecca and these children. And, and, and we're told that uh, in her womb, she feels this battle. And God tells her what's going on. He says, well, there's twins. There's the, you have two boys in your, within you that are going to battle, going to become two nations that battle against each other, and the older will serve the younger. To the best of our knowledge, Isaac, that information is never shared with Isaac. And later we'll see that Rebecca and Jacob... Uh, they devise this deception, this plan of deception, which they carry out on Isaac. Um, and, and it just seems that Isaac is just kind of this, this prop that's part of the story. Except then, there is, um, there is this section in chapter 26 of Genesis where uh, we hear specifically uh, these stories of, of Isaac. And so... I thought we would take a closer look at at what is written here, uh, beginning in Genesis chapter 26. And here's here's what we read in in 26 of Genesis. When a famine gripped the land, a, a different one from the first famine that occurred in Abraham's time, Isaac set out toward Gerar, 
and toward King Abimelech of the Philistines. We've heard similar things that Abraham did, right? And the Lord appeared to him. This is the first time, I think, that the Lord appeared to Isaac. And the Lord said, don't go down to Egypt, but settle temporarily in the land that I will show you. Stay in the land as an immigrant, and I will be with you and bless you because I will give you all of, these, all of these lands to you and your descendants. I will keep my word, which I gave to your father Abraham. I will give you as many descendants as the stars in the sky, and I will give you de- your descendants all of these lands. All of the nations of the earth will be blessed because of your descendants. I will do this because Abraham obeyed and kept my orders, my commandments, my statutes, and my instructions. And so we see, even though there's not much story about Isaac, we see God comes to Isaac uh, because of the promise he has made to Abraham. And he, he tells Isaac, you are going to be the bearer of the covenant. It, it is going to be through you and your descendants uh, that you will be blessed and all of the, of the people of the earth will be blessed. And the story goes on and it says, so Isaac lived in Gerar. When the, men, when the men who lived there asked about his wife, he said, she's my sister. Like father, like son, I guess, right? Because he was afraid to say my wife, thinking that the men who lived there will kill me for Rebecca, uh, t- so that they can have Rebecca because she's very beautiful. And after Isaac had lived there for some time, the Philistines king, King Abimelech, looked out the window, and he saw Isaac laughing together with his wife, Rebekah. And so Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, She's your wife, isn't she? How could you say that she is your sister? And Isaac responded, Because I thought I might be killed because of her. And Abimelech said, What are you trying to do to us? Before long, one of the people would have slept with your wife, and you would have made us guilty. And Abimelech gave orders to all the people, anyone who touched this man or his wife would be put to death. Again, we see as Isaac is living out his ordinary life, he's not, he, he's not perfect. He makes some of the same mistakes that his father makes. But I find it interesting, in the case of Abraham, uh, Sarah actually became uh, the wife of Pharaoh or became the wife of the king. Uh, uh, apparently, when Abimelech saw Isaac and Rebekah together, he knew that they had to be husband and wife. Um, it, it, it must have been so obvious from the way that he looked at her and he cared for her and he talked with her that Abimelech knew and sensed that Rebekah was Isaac's wife. He couldn't hide the fact uh, that he loved her and he cared for her and, and it just uh, came out of him. And so Abimelech, seeing that, um, doesn't want anything to happen in the land and sends him away uh, because he's deceived them. And the story goes on. And, and, and as it continues, um, it says that Isaac, um, he planted grain in the land and he reaped 100 sherem that year because the Lord had blessed him. And Isaac grew richer and richer until he was extremely wealthy. He had livestock, both flocks and cattle, and many servants. And as a result, the Philistines envied him. 
And the Philistines closed up and filled up all of the wells that his father's servants had, been, had dug during Abraham's lifetime. And Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from here because you have become so powerful among us. Uh, again, we see in this story, I think, that uh, Isaac just goes about his daily routine, living his everyday ordinary life, and as he does so, as he, as he faithfully uh, plants and cultivates and sows, as he cares for his herds and his flocks, um, he prospers, and he is blessed, and, and he becomes wealthy, and others see this, and initially we're told that Abimelech, uh, that they are afraid of Isaac, and so they send him away. And if, as we listen to the rest of the story, Isaac goes away, we're told, and he, he digs a well. And the Philistines come along and they say, um, that's our well. And so Isaac just moves on to another place, digs another well. And they come along and say, that's my well. And again, we see Isaac, instead of battling and arguing and entering into conflict, he moves on peacefully because he knows he's an immigrant in the land. And finally, he gets to a place where he digs a well, and we're told there is no conflict. And he celebrates because God has created this space where he might live and he might enjoy peace. And a little bit later, we're told, is apparently as he's staying there, that Abimelech and his um, armies come to visit wherever Isaac is. And, and, and they say to Isaac, um, they, they say to Isaac, um, hey, will you reach an agreement with us? We see that you have been blessed by God, that, that you have found favor in God. Uh, will you make an agreement with this, us that you will do no harm to us and so Isaac makes this agreement and, and they have this grand celebration and they go away in peace again we see Isaac as this uh, uh, peace-loving individual who again in his ordinary life not seeking to uh, conquer or to have uh, victories in war or whatever it might be, we see him resolve issues peacefully. And we see this peace that is created between um, Isaac and the, and the Philistines. And about the time, the end of that celebration, some of, his, um, some of his servants come saying, we have struck water again. We have found water. And we get this picture of Isaac living his life in a very ordinary way, going about uh, his ordinary duties and responsibility, being blessed and others seeing that he is blessed and wanting to uh, be in interaction with him so they might be blessed. And we see him living in the land peacefully. And if we stop there in the story, we might begin to wonder, well, well maybe this is, this is the, um, 
result of the promise. This is some of the fruition of the promise that God has made because we see Isaac living in the land and we see him living peacefully. We see him prospering. We see others coming to him saying, um, we want to be in alignment with you. We want to be uh, in an alliance with you because we know that if we are, we will experience blessing also. What a wonderful story that begins with famine and ends with water. Um, Isaac. Isaac doesn't do any of the great feats that we read about with Abraham or with Jacob. He just seems to live this ordinary, faithful life, seeking to do the right next thing as God might lead him to do. I can't help as I read the story this week. Uh, to, to, just, to, to just be reminded that there is indeed something special about living uh, year after year, day after day, doing the good and the kind and the thoughtful and the generous thing. Being a lover of peace and simply um, doing the everyday things that are important to life. I couldn't help but be reminded of one of my favorite movies. Um, it, it's a Wonderful Life. Yes. It, it, it's a Christmas movie, but it wouldn't hurt us to play it sometimes on, on, on holidays like the 4th of July to be reminded of the importance of, of everyday life lived, trusting, and following God. You see, sometimes when we read the stories in the Scripture, when we read about Abraham and we read about Jacob and we read about Joseph and we read about Moses and David and Daniel and we read about uh, Peter and Paul and John, we begin to get the idea, well, if I'm not like them, I'm nothing. My life means very little. When in fact, I would argue that the, that the people that, uh, that I remember the most the people who have made the most difference in my life, who have made the greatest difference in communities like this and in congregations like this, they are the people who live everyday, ordinary lives, simply faithfully doing as God calls them to do. Yes, making their mistakes and, and falling down, but getting back up and simply seeking to do the right next thing as God leads them to do. And so on this 4th of July, on this day, let us hear the story of Isaac. Let us hear uh, that it isn't about the heroes. It's not about the people who are written about in the history books. It's not about the people who do great and wonderful things. The difference that is made in the lives of our neighbors is the difference made because we choose to live our everyday, ordinary lives seeking to trust and to live in connection with God, doing the next right thing, loving our families and our spouses, going about our work in a way that is meaningful. Let us hear that and know that our lives make a difference. All we need to do
is trust God and do the next right thing. May we do that today and every day. Amen. Let us join our voices together as we sing, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. I invite you all to stand. be seated. I'm going to invite you, if you're at home today, um, to get uh, bread and cup, um, and um, I'm going to invite you to join us in communion. I remind folks uh, that this is uh, not a United Methodist table, but it is Christ's table. It's Christ who invites you here. And, and so now I invite you all to join in the great thanksgiving as we prepare ourselves through this wonderful prayer. Uh, to encounter Christ in new and mysterious ways. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
Indeed, it is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty Father, creator of heaven and earth. Indeed, as you blessed Isaac and Rebekah in their ordinary, everyday lives so that they might be a blessing to others, you come and you bless us so we might be a blessing. And so with all your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and we join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Indeed, holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. In the midst of our brokenness in this sinful world, he came to offer healing and hope and to reveal, to reveal the way in which we can live our everyday lives with him. And unfortunately, too often, we choose to go our own way. And yet, by his baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death. And you made with us a new covenant by water and by spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. Gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. After the supper, he took the cup again. He gave thanks to you. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. And so it is in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, that we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the great mystery of faith. Indeed, pour out your Holy Spirit upon those who are gathered here. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon the gift of bread and cup that they may be for us uh, the body and blood of Christ so that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood, blessed to live holy and full everyday ordinary lives so that we might bless others whom we come into contact with. Indeed, by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ shall come in that final victory and we will join him in that heavenly banquet. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, with the Holy Spirit, your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God. And all God's people said, Amen. I invite those who are helping with communion to come forward.
I invite those who are in the back of the church to come forward first. Uh, you'll be given a, uh, you'll, you'll receive a piece of bread in the cup. Um, come, come expecting, anticipating Christ. For those who are at home, I'm going to invite you at this time to uh, take of the bread in the cup. And as you do, uh, may you experience the presence of Christ in new and mysterious ways, knowing that Christ is with you. Uh, come, Christ awaits you.
Gracious God, we give thanksgiving for this uh, wonderful sacrament, this mystery of bread and cup in which in some mysterious way you share yourself with us, that in partaking and taking of the bread and the cup, we experience your presence in new and powerful ways, and we are truly empowered by your Holy Spirit to live and to love you in our everyday, ordinary lives so that we might make a difference in the lives of other people in our community and throughout the world. Thank you. Amen. To live each and every moment in the presence of Christ, doing the next right thing that God leads us to do so that we might bless others. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.